America. My name is Aimee Osei Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today we're going to talk about purity and purity politics and just the idea of purity and the damage it does. Because if you don't know, purity works powerfully in these United States um, and in different ways. And, you know, I'm in the South, so like it's kind of a lot of places. And I teach white kids in the South and they're kind of obsessed with it. I'll go on with that a little bit later. But just so you know, um, let me give you a little bit of history of logical instability. And I say this is an intellectual history of logical instability, because um, it's, not a, it's not a temporal history. It's just kind of the origin of logical stability. Logical stability emerges when two contradictory concepts are attached to the same content. So it starts with like pure being and pure nothing. Pure being is doesn't have any relations with anything else, and pure nothing doesn't have anything relations with anything else. So they're kind of the same thing, except they can't be the same thing because uh, they're defined by not having relations with anything else, so they can't be related to each other. Right? So that is the kind of a minimal account of logical um, instability because one just is the other, but it can't be the other, so it vanishes into the other, and then when you think about, but once you think about the other, it vanishes into the first thing. So. As soon as you think about it, it vanishes, becomes something it's not. <clears throat> and, it's, um, and so think about this in terms of when I, when I talk to students about it, I talk, about to, I talk to them about the constitutive elements of a date, right? Let's say you're on a non-date with a buddy who is attractive and you're going to dinner and you're going to go see a movie afterwards, but it's not a date until you actually think about, hold on, wait a minute, we're both single, you're attractive. This is a movie and we're going to, I mean, this is the dinner and we're going to go see a, a movie after this. So I guess this is a date. But then you think about it as a date and you're like, no, this can't be a date because, you know, we're just friends, blah, 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 blah. So um, uh, that's logically unstable because two things that are contradictory are attached to the same content. Right? This is kind of an important um, issue. And in order to retain the purity of any one of those, either it being not a date or it being um, a date, you have to exclude the other. Um, but you can't exclude the other because it's attached to the same content. right? So you just have to not think about it. It's not a date as long as you don't think about what it is. Because as soon as you actually think about what it is, it becomes a date. And then you want to think about it as a date, it becomes clear that it's not a date because it's just your friend, right? So it's one of those deals where purity um, at this level involves not thinking too hard about what you're doing, right? So you can even see this with the Declaration of Independence. With the Declaration of Independence, you have a document. You can say this is like you know a founding document of a, a free society. They're trying to um, get away from colonialism and uh, stop being col uh, colonists themselves. Okay. But then you actually look at the document and you do work on the document and you see that in the document they're arguing for, um, you know, the British to let them keep, like, you know, not, not foment revolution among their slaves. And they're arguing for the ability to treat the Indians like trash. So you could say that actually this is a colonial document that's arguing for the sake of colonialism. Right? So the question is, which one is it doing? Is it arguing for colonialism or is it a, a arguing for a free state? Well, it's doing both. 
It actually is doing both. And your problem is you want to keep it purely one or the other without actually admitting the relationship between them both. In the date example, you can say that like, you know what, some dates um, happen between friends or you can have some dinners between friendships have romantic energies. You can, you can actually synthesize them and retain the relationship between them because they're governed the same content. And with the, with the Declaration of Independence, you can say that like actually it's both. It's both emancipation from English for the right to like govern and, and, and damn black people and treat Native Americans like trash, right? So if you want to keep the purity, you're going to have to stop thinking about what it is. And this is, becomes an issue, right? So purity depends on you. Unless the categories you formed can be justified in thought, then purity is going to be anti-intellectual because it's not going to be able to sustain thought, right? So either you say it's not a date, it's not a date, and you, and you force yourself to not think about what it is, or you just admit that uh, it's a dinner with friends with romantic energy and kind of a date, right? Uh, so you find those two things intermingled. So which means that you've transformed the concept of both date to accommodate what's going on here, and you've transformed the concept of not a date to accommodate like, um, uh, uh, you know, romantic feelings, right? So if you admit the relationships, both pure concepts are transformed, but they're transformed in a real way that can sustain thought. But if you don't want to admit the relationship between the two contradictory um, concepts, then what you have is um, a confusion. <laughs> what you have is a confusion you're not allowed to think about. You have an underdeveloped concept that you're latching onto and you don't let yourself think about it because le as soon as you think about it, you see that it becomes the other thing. Right? As soon as you think about the Declaration of Independence, as soon as you study the Declaration of Independence, it becomes something you didn't want it to be. So now you have a, an interest in not thinking about it because as soon as you think about it, it becomes something else. Or you could synthesize the other thing it becomes, and, but the cost is transforming both ideas at, in, um, that are at issue. Right. So, and then Orlando Patterson does this, I think, pretty well in his uh, book on American slavery. He's like, look, well, if you actually take the situation, it turns out that it might be possible that freedom depends on, you know, the subjugation of others. Right. Uh, or it's just a historical accent that every time you have freedom, you have the subjugation of others. Or the idea of freedom, like, is intimately tied with the subjugation of others. Right? So if you want some sort of pure freedom that's not tied with the subjugation of others, that's going to be a problem. If you want some sort of subjugation of others that doesn't enable a kind of freedom, that's going to be a problem. Right? So what we have to do is kind of figure out what self-government looks like um, in a way that accounts for at least symmetrical and mutual subjugation because in order for any of us to be free, all of us have to be subjugated. And all of us have to be free. For all of us to be free, all of us have to be subjugated, just symmetrically, and kind of differentiate through differentiated structures. A lot of people want freedom without the subjugation. Sorry, that's like, it's never happened. And there are reasons why it can't happen. Um, thing is, we can subjugate each other to each other and for our different varieties of freedom. 
So you have to understand that even like when you talk about purity in terms of relationships, uh, or purity in terms of intimate relationships, purity in terms of uh, like when I talk to students about it, I could be like, what, what kind of things do you do to keep your GPA pure? Your, 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 your 4.0 GPA um, pure, less to be tainted by a B plus or your relationship to a B plus, right? Because you don't want, because if you get one, it becomes a part of you. That means you're the person who got to be. And what does that mean about you, right? If you can't take that, then like your quest for purity is making you do things that you uh, shouldn't do. But the big deal, but the big deal is how um, the quest for purity forces you not to think about what you're doing. Because what you're doing becomes, and who you're in a relationship with becomes a part of you. It can be expressed as a property of you. If I go on a date with a supermodel, I become someone who dates supermodels. That's a property of me. <laughs> right? So um, if, if a supermodel is on a date with me and, and is like, well, we can't call it a date because they don't want the property of dating me. Well, Gabrielle Union's like, okay, we can hang out, but I don't, I don't, don't call it a date. Um, uh, it's because she doesn't want to be expressed as a property of herself her relationship with me. So, because there are, for lots of reasons, I guess I, I can go on in a different video. Relationships can be expressed as the properties of the person who's in the relationship. That's all relationships. Um, if I'm in a relationship with a blank, I am like, I am now as a property of me, like that person can be expressed as a property of me. Depending on the relationship, it's like the, um, if I'm in a relationship with a doctor, that doctor is now my doctor, right? Like, who's Iremi's doctor? That person's Iremi's doctor because of my relationship with that doctor, right? So my relationship with that person can be expressed as a property of me. And that's why if you care about purity, you have to now monitor all of your relationships because they can be expressed by a property of you. Property, yeah, they can be expressed as a property of you. So how do we deal with that? Well... If you're concerned about purity, but you can't control all of your relationships, that means you have to not, you have to stop yourself from thinking about what you're doing. And this is kind of the root of an anti-intellectual culture, right? So if you have a pure idea of the American South, you can't study America very much <laughs> because it will destabilize your pure idea of America. So the only way to keep your pure idea of America that's underdeveloped, but ultimately coherent, is to not study too much about America, right? And you're thinking, well, you know, so if you're in these regimes that takes purity seriously, and a lot of people do take purity seriously, they can't think too much because thoughts come up like weeds. Thought, <laughs> like, like and, you, and you could always be destabilized by thought. Um, so you have to either anesthetize yourself to thinking or you can have like really big public controls that control people, that groom people into not asking certain questions. And that way they don't discover certain relationships. And they, that way those relationships can't become properties of themselves. And so they retain their purity. Right? So um, there's kind of an anti-intellectual uh, bent to purity politics, unless you actually think through all of the categories. Right? So like if your category can sustain thought, then it is in a way pure. It's not threatened by thought. It's not threatened. It's threatened by other things. People have interests that can't sustain thoughts. But um, if you build your institutions on like brick houses, it can sustain it can sustain the onslaught of thought or the big bad wolf's air, right? So um, 
I think it's it's very important to understand that if if people are attached to purity, they might not be able to sustain an actual rigorous investigation of all of their relationships because their relationships might reveal themselves to be like impure. Don't ask me how I make this money, <laughs> right? Uh, that's like a lot of white guys, right? So um, to the <laughs> don't ask me about my business. You like the nice stuff, don't you? Right. So you want to stay pure? That means you don't ask about his business. That's 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 a lot of white America. Um, <laughs> especially so that's no small amount of white liberal America. So what, so what does this go to? It either becomes anti-intellectual or we understand that we're actually very good. We are very good at maintaining the forever war against thought because that's what's at stake. If thought can at any point in time, um, if thought can at any point in time destabilize your idea of yourself by like showing your relationships to things that can be expressed as you and then kind of um, uh, de like uh, what do you call it um, destabilize your identity of yourself or render it less pure and you're not up to like adapting or adopting like the fact of yourself into your idea of yourself or the fact of your relationships into your idea of yourself, then um, then you have to stop people from thinking and you have to like institutionalize stopping people from thinking. And how do you institutionalize stopping people from thinking? Well, you know, we're pretty good at it. We can kind of keep people busy with a curriculum that has them study nothing, <laughs> nothing of matter, nothing that might destabilize them. Or yeah, like I said, we keep people busy studying a curriculum that doesn't matter. And we, we can do a lot of things, right? Um, we anesthetize them to thought. We, we stigmatize thought in general. We, and, um, and I see a lot of students who are just bad at thinking because they've been taught that thinking might destabilize their idea of themselves and their parents didn't want them to have the idea of themselves destabilized so they just didn't teach them ever how to think. So they have a lot invested in uh, not thinking. Right? So even black people. Black people, we have this idea that you can understand what it is to be black without actually understanding your relationship to white people. Which is hard to do if you're black because a lot of us were raped by white people if you go a few generations back. Like it's not that hard. My mom's last name is Graham. So is the senator from South Carolina's last name is Graham. And you know the senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, kind of looks like my uncle? Uh, because deep down we all know that it's quite possible that we all have the, the same great granddaddy. Um, we, we all, we all, we all have the same great granddad, but nobody wants to think about it too hard. <laughs> nobody wants to think about that too hard because that, that might, that might uh, make that self pure. But a lot of black people want to think that they can think of themselves as black without actually thinking about what it means to be black in America and that relationship to white people and white wealth and white cat. Like, so you want to keep the purity of the idea of black and not have it and not understand that what it is to be black is to be related to white people, not just biologically, but like in terms of, of institutional power. That's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Part of what it is to be black is to be like, have to deal with the fact of white people. Part of what it is to be white is to have your like whole life be governed by the subjugation of in the South, black people. 
I mean, it's a, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I had a friend today who was saying why her husband is a, is a gun person, but she doesn't like to carry, but he doesn't like to carry guns. And he was like, look, I come from gun people. The reason I come from gun people, the reason I don't like to carry guns is because I come from gun people. And I just know that every time you have a gun in your house, you're always worried about keeping it safe. You're always worried about how that gun could end up in the wrong person's hand. Or even if you carry, you always have a kind of a low level of anxiety. You normalize it if you carry, but you still always have a low, low level of anxiety of like what that gun can do and how you might have to do it. So the way to get rid of that is just to not have the gun on your person. Right? And this guy's a white guy. But, you know, I'm sure he probably admits that his entire family had guns to shoot black people. <laughs> So um, there's a way in which, like, even, I mean, our, our gun laws are around, like, white settler colonialism and, you know, the need to shoot the occasional Negro or the, the desire to shoot the occasional Negro Native American or Latina, depend, depending on, on, on where you are in these United States. So he wanted to opt out of that responsibility. Right, so he just kind of opted out of having a, a gun in his life, and they don't want a gun on their little in their little plantation, right? So there, it's not it's 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 even even the whites are governed by their relationships to the non-whites. What it is to be white is to put yourself in a position to like dominate non-whites in America, whether you admit that that's a thing or not. Um, that's like that's part of the cultural inheritance. And if you deny that cultural inheritance, you just don't want to think about what it means to be you, white people who are listening. And by the way, speaking of white people, if you appreciate what I'm doing, because not a lot of people are doing it with this kind of uh, panache, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com, kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, and uh, I'll keep doing what I do, and it's good for America. It's good for America that I keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm helping, I'm helping uh, make the discourse a little bit uh, more clear, right? right? So you can't think about what you are without thinking about relationships to what you're not. But if you think about relationships to what you're not, that those things that you're not can be expressed as a property of what you are, right? I'm not a doctor. My relationship can be a doc to my doctor can be expressed as a property of, of me. That is my doctor. And so now my relationship to my doctor is now a property of, of me, right? So black people, we can't think of ourselves as black and it's a failure. It's, it's, it's ridiculous to think of yourself as black in the United States without thinking your, about your relationship to white power um, and what it means to be white in the United States. And if you don't understand what it means to be white in the United States, then you don't understand what it means to be black in the United States. Because a lot of what it means to be black in the United States is response to what it means to be white in the United States. And if you don't admit that, you just, if you think you're living in an island, um, you're just, uh, no, fooling yourselves. Fooling yourselves, right? So in order to understand what you are, you have to understand your relationship to what you're not. And you have to understand the ways in which both you're different than what you're not and the ways in which you're both the same as what you're not. A lot of black people, a lot of white people like football. Um, so, and it's not an accident, right? So you have to, you have to appreciate both the way and, um, uh, I, I, I'm not used to, I, I'm not, I don't really, I don't like football that way. Uh, I, I, I used to a little bit, but now I just don't, I can't get into it for a few reasons. Um, but, so if you understand the way in which you're the same, 
as what you're not, and you understand the way in which you're different than what you're not, then you have actually a clearer understanding of what you are. And that's important um, if you want an understanding of what you are. But to do that takes thought. And to not do that means you have to stop thinking. So these um, regimes that are held together by not thinking because they can't sustain thought, you would think that they would fall of their own steam. And some like real hardcore leftists will tell you they will. They won't. <laughs> they will not fall of their own steam. Let's be realist about this. They will not fall of the, you, we can sustain contradictions. You know, we, can, we have a forever war. If you talk to any farmer, they'll tell you that farming is a forever war against nature. It's a huge contradiction. Nature is constantly plotting to take you down. And yet, there's still tomatoes at my Kroger, which means that we're winning that forever war, and we will win that forever war into the near future. Same is true about, you could say like, well, you know, you can't beat nature. Well, we have Las Vegas, a casino in the middle of a desert which means that we found a way to, beat that, to fight that forever war in a way that's rather sustainable, and depending on who you talk to, lucrative. Right? So just thinking that there's a forever war against thought does not mean that thought's going to win. Thought might crop up like a weed, but that means um, you know, we're pretty good as a society with pesticides. And I'm, depending on who you talk to, quite a pest. So that's why I need you. <laughs> To, uh, to, to, to go to for www.funkyacademic.com and kick in so I can keep uh, you know, fighting back uh, the American metabolism that wants to take me out, right? Because like, I am the disease to these United States as it stands. I'm like one of those symbiote viruses, though. I can make it stronger if you let me. The... Um, but what I wanted to say is the idea that just because it's contradictory when thought doesn't mean that the contradiction will ever be expressed. We are very good at either keeping people from thinking or um, just <laughs> like granting so many incentives that they will live in a world that doesn't make sense because it'll like satisfy a lower pleasure or a different pleasure that's not like coherence. So I'll live in an incoherent world as long as it kind of keeps me rich and in control. I just won't think about it too much, right? Or expect my world to make sense. But if you actually want the world to make sense, you'll see the contradictions and then have to kind of understand the contradictions um, as what they are, part of what they are, and part of what you are as participating in, in the contradiction. Then you can kind of see that like, oh, it's not a contradiction that the um, that the Declaration of Independence is an emancipatory document and like a codification of slave rule. It's actually, they might be intrinsically tied. Like part of what it means to be emancipated might be having to like, you know, control others in a way. Right? Um, so don't think that just because we're in a forever war against thought or just because were held um, kind of were held by institutions that aren't amenable to thought that um, thought will eventually win. Like, no, we just might have, we just might be very good at prosecuting the forever war against thought. And that's what the anti-CRT campaign is. It's a forever war against thought. Don't look at the United States history too closely 
don't think about this date too closely. Black people, don't think about the fact that like your grandparents were probably the, you know, the victims of rape too closely. White people, don't look at the fact that like your parents and grandparents and you might rape your spouse because like white entitlement's pretty gross. And you think the entitlement that uh, the white settler colonial entitlement, uh, spousal rape is all over the suburbs, but you know, suburban white people rape themselves rape their spouses so much that like they just call it sex now. <laughs> it's duty sex. There's the name of it in conservative Christian company. We have whole churches that teach little white girls that their job is to prepare themselves to be raped by their husband like habitually because sex is for him. It <laughs> doesn't work that way in the black community. But, um, but like I tell you, but don't look at it. Don't, we're not allowed to look at it too much because it might actually distort our purity narratives. Right? So, um, about ourselves. So, what, so what's the takeaway? The takeaway is if you have an un, if you have an un, uh, an inappropriate um, relationship to purity, then you're going to find yourself either not thinking or policing your relationships to other objects that aren't you because you're going to be scared that those objects can be expressed as a property of you. Right? So if you have an untoward relationship to purity, um, uh, then you're going to like you're going to be anti-thought because thought is what's going to expose a contradiction, which is going to send you into an existential crisis. Right? But we're very good at being anti-thought. Like we're very good at fighting this forever war. We have a kind of institutional roundup. If, if, thought is, if, if thought is a weed that could screw up the purity of your garden, then we, we have Roundup. The United States is made up of Roundup. <laughs> like we design better pesticides. Um, so it's not like we're not used to fighting forever wars in order to keep an unsupportable, depending on who you talk to, Afghanistan was a forever war to keep up an unsupportable regime. Um, but we fought it and we, we fought it for 20 years, which is 21 years longer than we should have. Um, so thank you for your time and I will see you next week and be suspicious about your relationship with purity because it might, it might be what's keeping you from thinking and actually appreciating who you are in all of your relationships and what they mean and how they work together. All right. Peace. I'll see you next week. Bye.